The Buddha was always very, very clear that the classroom of awakening is indeed the classroom of our life. When he spoke about liberation, awakening, nibbana, never spoke about this in terms of entering some other mystical domain or dimension, but instead very much spoke of awakening as really deeply understanding things the way that they actually are, understanding the nature of dukkha, of conditions, of instability, of process, understanding the nature of change, impermanence, and understanding the reality of non-self, that no thing has an independent self-existence. He said, living in the light of these understandings is what brings all suffering, all distress to an end, brings all struggle, all conflict to an end. When he talks about where we learn to understand and live in alignment with the way things actually are, he spoke about the four foundations of mindfulness as we've been exploring them here on this retreat. Looking into the body, the universal story of the body. Looking into the whole realm of Vedana as we've spoken about it the feeling tones of experience, understanding that these are where we begin to construct our world of the moment. Looking into the mind, the states of mind, what is born of states of mind. I said also looking into what is the fourth foundation of mindfulness, which has this rather awkward um, kind of mouthful <laughs> It's the the investigation of the dhammas, the investigation of the dhammas, which is really looking into the whole climate, a whole landscape of the teaching of the path. The first three foundations of mindfulness are what we've been cultivating over these days, a very applied moment-to-moment cultivation. The fourth foundation of mindfulness is, is initially looks a little bit different because when you look at it, what you see is a series of lists. And any of you who are familiar with Buddhist teaching knows that it's very, very good at lists. Um, but lists are a way, in a sense, of making sense of the teaching. It's kind of bringing it into focus. And this collection of lists in the fourth foundation of mindfulness actually strangely enough, does actually make a lot of sense. The Buddha recognized, as we recognize, that it is no easy thing to live in a wakeful way. That it is no easy thing to to live a life guided by kindness, by compassion, with joy, with understanding. He recognized this was no easy thing. It was not easy for him. It was not easy for all of those that practiced with him at that time, so long ago in India, because there is something timeless about human consciousness. There's something timeless in the human consciousness capacity to lean towards confusion and struggle and distress. And there is a tension in waking up.
I'm sure we've all experienced that moment to moment in our practice here. How we have, you know, really wonderful intentions, sincere intentions to be present, to be awake, to, to live with kindness, to live with compassion, and how easily those intentions just seem at times to get sabotaged by very old, familiar habit patterns um, of selfing, of resisting, of grasping, of aversion. I think the Buddha very clearly recognized that this is the tension in which we practice. This is the tension in which we cultivate this path. Now, I'm not using this word tension in a negative way. Usually we look at tension in a very, hear it in a very negative way. And we could see that tension in our practice, in our lives, in a negative way. But that actually is another habit pattern. You know, that says, oh, I can't do this, it's impossible, I'm not good enough, you know, I blew it again, I'm a failure. That actually is another habit pattern, it's another tendency. It's not saying anything about the reality that this tension exists, it's putting more selfing into that tension. So it's important to recognize that. But I think in the context of this path and this teaching, this tension, this kind of tension between in the intention for wakefulness, the intention for kindness, sitting alongside some of our very familiar habit patterns, this is the creative tension. This is the classroom of awakening. This is where we investigate and explore. And this is where we cultivate all that which is really inclining the heart towards freedom, inclining the heart towards wakefulness. So the way that this tension is first placed, I think, in the fourth foundation of mindfulness is, first of all, really recognizing the very, very pervasive effect of the hindrance factors we've spoken about here. You know, the craving for sensual pleasure, the aversion, the sloth and torpor, the restlessness and worry, the doubt. You know, really looking at how those core very core mental states, can pervade so much of our lives, our speech, our thinking, our actions, our choices. So looking at that, the Buddha sort of didn't throw his hands up in the air in despair and say, well, you know, can't do this. Um, You know, may as well resign. You know, see this everywhere. What he actually did was to put alongside the hindrance factors what are called the factors or the supports of awakening. These are cultivations. These are what are cultivated in the midst of those veiling factors. Those hindrance factors is not always a good word. The, the word for hindrance is actually translates as veiling. They veil our capacity to see clearly as if we threw a blanket over this bell and we just sort of have a vague awareness of this bell. But it's veiled. So the Buddha put alongside these ve- the, those veiling effects the, what are called these awakening supports. We've been culting them here, cultivating them here all week. Mindfulness. Our capacity to be equally near all events and experience with curiosity, with kindness, with discernment. Mindfulness, investigation. A lot of our practice here is experiential investigation. 
just going a little bit beyond the boundaries of the familiar, what is known, really checking out what lies just past that edge, that flinch moment where we want to turn away from something or, you know, get become overwhelmed, that primary investigation of what it is to be awake, to be still, to be dedicated, to look more carefully. So mindfulness, investigation, energy, well, you've been asked to cultivate a lot of energy over, over these days. You know, I'm sure you've all noticed we have a pretty sustained schedule of practice. You know, requires quite a bit of energy. And you've been rising to that, even, you know, showing up in the times when you don't feel like it, you know, when you think you'd rather go for a nap, just bringing forth that embodied energy to keep showing up to keep turning up. And there's a lot that is born of that. Joy. We've talked about that. It's one of the supporting factors. To learn to, to practice in a way that, of happiness. A way of happiness. You know? And I think this is uh, somehow this is particularly important, I think, in Western practice. I mean, I, I know my experience in, in practicing in Asia is there's a lot of smiles when people are practicing. You know, sometimes you see people doing walking meditations, great smile on their face, you know. Actually, you know, it's such a lot of smiles where I think Western practice, I'm not quite sure why it is. Um, you know, one of my friends, I think you've heard me say this, he says he's seen walking med- people doing walking meditation as if it's the march of the condemned. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but to see, you know, that, that inclination towards it, there's such a big difference between taking the practice seriously and taking ourselves too seriously. Such a big difference between those two. And joy helps here to be able to take the practice seriously with some time to hold it lightly, to hold it with spaciousness. Tranquility, we've talked a lot lot about that this week and we've been practicing it. How to calm the agitation, how to calm the agitation waves. Concentration, we've been talking about this and practicing this. Learning how to collect, how to focus, and equanimity. It is the very cultivation of these in the classrooms of our body, of our feelings, of our mind, that actually is beginning, and you will have noticed this happening in your own practice. Haven't you seen the hindrance factors calm? Haven't you seen the grip of the hindrance factors begin to lift and begin to lighten over these days? It's good to acknowledge that. That's not just because, you know, it's some magical endowment from the heavens. It's actually because you have been cultivating, whether we recognize it or not, these supporting factors of awakening. So that's the kind of creative tension one sees in this fourth foundation of mindfulness the very essential teaching of the Buddha of this path of the four ennobling truths, the recognition of dukkha, unsatisfactoriness in the whole spectrum of it, from instability to all of the kind of psychological and distress, um, uh, emotional distress. Um, the dukkha, the first noble truth from which we're not exempt, as I was speaking about last night, 
the way that our lives are touched by loss, by change, by instability. Understanding the causes of the emotional, psychological distress, which is usually the reaction to the way things are. Understanding there is an end. This is the good news part. There is an end. And there is a path to that end. This is very central in the fourth foundation of mindfulness because it's, so cent- it's the, the kind of central teaching in which the whole of this path rests upon. In the fourth foundation of mindfulness, you see the listing of the, the, the sense bases, you know, the, the five usual sense doors plus the mind. Why? You wonder. Well, isn't it a given? Because it is through those sense spaces that we're interfacing with the world where we learn either to live in alignment with the way things are or where we use the sense spaces, become servants of habitual tendencies, which they can be. You know, in, in one of the images used in this teaching of the six sense spaces, it's often portrayed as a house, uh, nobody's home, but it's a house with five windows and a door, which is the mind. And they represent the sense bases, the sense doors, and flowing in through those sense doors, of course, are all the sensory information, including thoughts, which make up all of our day. And it's actually indicating that what can flow out through those windows and doors, of course, are either all our habitual tendencies of aversion or craving or wanting, But equally, what can flow out through those sense doors are all of the loveliness that we cultivate in this practice of kindness and compassion, of joy, of understanding, of empathy, of sensitivity. A lot of attention given to what happens at the sense doors because this is not only how we interface with the world, it's also how we begin to construct the world our world at the moment. Now, the last of the listings in this is, of course, what are called the aggregates, which is a very curious word, the five aggregates. I I really like this word, you know, because in England you always see these trucks going around, you know, with aggregates written on them, you know, and they're off to build roads, you know, and they're off to build houses, you know, it's building materials. And that's actually what exactly what aggregates mean. These are the building materials of a sense of self, a sense of identity. So we have form, we have feeling, we have perception, we have volition, which includes some of the tendencies, and we have consciousness. These are the places which, when clung to, actually create a sense of identity, create a sense of selfing moment to moment. So this fourth foundation is very much a kind of teaching foundation. It's not something that we take on as a project. It's actually almost the information or the teaching that informs how we explore the first three foundations of mindfulness, of body, feeling, mind. It's it's kind of like the lens through which we begin to investigate those. So again, it's it's, it's not the project of the day. 
But, you know, it's always good to have the complete listing and be pretty sad if we start this retreat and talk about the four foundations of mindfulness and send you home with three, you know, and and then you're sitting there thinking, what did I miss, you know, (laughs) and surely that was the key piece, but, but, (laughs) but it's just, it's just bringing to have that sense of the fullness of pitch of the picture, and, you know, when I look at the fourth, four foundations of mindfulness, I mean, I'm sometimes in awe of the genius of the Buddha. You know, that here's this guy who lived, you know, so long ago without any psychological roadmaps to be, in, you know, to be informed by, to follow. This capacity to look at his own mind, to look at his own experience, and really know that in doing so, it was actually looking just at the nature of mind, the nature of all experience, and that... Others could just pick up that roadmap and look at it and question it as he encouraged us to do. Question it for ourselves. Is this true? But always coming down to this great simplicity and within the teaching where he says, I I teach just one thing, that there is suffering and there is an end to suffering. And that this is a moment-to-moment exploration. And so much of our practice is simply dedicated to really liberating the moment, to illuminating the moment first with mindfulness, to understand our experience moment-to-moment, and to learn to practice exactly that statement that there is suffering and there is an end to suffering. And how do we actually in our own experience, in our own lives, learn to liberate the moment from distress and confusion. This is our practice. So again, a simple settling. Just once more, coming home to your body. A returning. Quality of collecting, of gathering kindly and clearly your attention, your mindfulness, and a knowing of the body sitting, the body touching the ground, being embodied. Calming the agitations, whether it's agitations in the mind or agitations in the body, calming the agitations through collecting, through gathering, through establishing mindfulness within this body whether within listening or breathing, or the fullness of the body sitting. Seeing of all things arising and passing, 
sounds, thoughts, sensations. Establishing a stability within that change, the stability of focus, of gatheredness, of mindfulness, of seeing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.